So Blake, uh, Kimsey as well, Mike Bennett, those guys took some time a few evenings out of the day to come and hang out and hang panels and make all this look not like an old gym per se. So they did a pretty good job, so it looks pretty nice. Uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, excited to have our first service here. We've got a couple more things to do, but for the most part, it's going to look like this for a while. So uh, we're thankful to be here. I'm more thankful that we're done so I can spend time at home. Uh, so we're, we're thankful that it's so far. I kind of feel like, uh, like we're traveling uh, with Moses. And so we've got these like little spots along the way. And some of them are really cool. And some of them were not so cool. Uh, so this happens to be a cool spot. So if we stay here for a bit, it ain't going to hurt my feelings too bad versus a water-soaked, waterlogged, flooded Kind of smells like cat urine place that we were before. But you all didn't know it smelled like cat urine because we used to go early and like put like the Glade carpet stuff down and sweep up all the time and had the little candles up front. You thought that was like for decoration and ambiance. That's just so you didn't puke when you walked in the building. So uh, you're, I'm not kidding. So Dave backed me up. Was it bad? Fact. All right. So anyway, welcome to Rev. Um, we don't have a whole lot of announcements other than we're still doing East End stuff. So Saturday mornings, roughly 10 to 10.30, whenever they kind of roll out of bed. Um, they're picking up trash on the East End. So I've only done it once. Uh, I'd like to go more, but we, we try to go down as a family, and that was interesting until we got to the needle portion of the street. Then my wife got a little little tight about letting our kids pick up stuff, rightfully so. So it was interesting. Uh, you, you have interesting stories when you, when you go work with the East End guys. There's always something interesting that happens. So, uh, so I encourage you guys to do that. Um, you may not want to take little kids just as we tried that out as an experiment. I don't know that I would do that again. Um, but so if you get a chance, go down and help those guys. You get to meet people. Um, you get to see people who or smoking, and there's cigarette butts all in front of their house, but they have no idea how they got there. At least that's what they tell you. So I don't know how they got there. It wasn't me. So, uh, so you get to pick up about a thousand of those. But anyway, it's a cool experience. Uh, you get a, you get to get everyone ask you why you're doing what you're doing. So you get a really easy way to share the gospel. Um, so other than that, that's about all we have going on uh, this week. So let's pray. Oh, I should. Do you want to give an update about Matt? I'll let you do that. All right. So Eric will give us an update about Matt. So let's pray quick. Lord, we just thank you uh, for the opportunity to come and meet. Uh, we thank you that we can finally meet in our new space, um, and we can just take a chance and, uh, and just breathe from doing all this physical work, and we can get back to concentrating on you and, and the kingdom work at hand uh, and going out and spreading the gospel um, and just living a life that would resemble you and lead people back to you. We pray tonight as Eric brings the message uh, that you would just stir in our hearts, that you would break down any walls or bears we have that would just prevent us from seeing the gospel clearly and that you, he could present the gospel in a way that your spirit would just move uh, inside of our hearts. I pray as we sing tonight that we can just sing, that we can be free, that this place will feel like home and we can worship uh, and, just, and just be ourselves. In your name we pray, amen. We good? Can you hear me? All right, cool, cool. Hey, we're going to jump into Romans 1. So grab your blue Bibles or whatever Bible you brought, and we're going we're gonna to jump right in as soon as possible. That's on page uh, 675, by the way, blue Bible. Um, give me a second to get there. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, or the Bible you have is not easily read, then go ahead and take this with you. It's our gift to you. Uh, we think it's a faithful translation, 
and uh, our kind of our motto here, at least mine is, the best Bible you can own is the one you're actually going to read. So if this one is, is good for you, if you like it, go ahead and take that home with you and, and spend some time in Scripture. We're looking at Romans 1, 18 through 25. I was supposed to do an update on Matt, wasn't I? All right, Matt is doing okay right now. He's in a lot of pain. He sent me a picture of his nasty area where he got stuff cut out of his back, and it's, it's really gross, and uh, I think Ryan was throwing up after he saw that. Um, so, but he's in a lot of pain. He is allergic to pain medicine, so he doesn't get to take anything good to just, you know, wake up two weeks from now. Um, he is just requesting more prayer, keep sen- sending him messages, encourage him, let him know that you're thinking about him and praying for him. Um, also, as Justin recommended last week, you know, keep taking time out regularly to fast and pray, not only for our mission here in, in, uh, in Revolution, but for Pastor Matt as well. You know, spend, spend a day in fasting or, or maybe a couple days and, uh, and just see what God does. So let's look at Romans 1, 18 through 25. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Why do I feel so empty? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever laid your head down at night and just thought, why am I never satisfied? Why is this not an okay life for me? Maybe I have a wife and a kids and family, and I have a great job, but I just feel incomplete. Why... You know, I'm tired of feeling this way. Why can't I just be happy? Have you ever thought about that? You know, I think these are feelings that we all share. You know, we have college students. We have a ton of college students tonight, by the way. Like, it's awesome. I think it's like more than half of us right now. But I think college students will probably say, you know, or some of you might say that you felt like this since puberty, probably, right? I'm so awkward, right? Why can't I just be happy? Nobody understands me. 
Or maybe some of us uh, older, more experienced folk here have felt that for a really long time. C.S. Lewis argued that um, because of that deep desire, because of, because of that emptiness that's inside us, that itself is proof that God exists. So, you tracking with me so far? We're good? All right. All of us human beings have innate human desires within us, and, and all of these desires have things to fill those desires, right? If I'm hungry, I can go to Toro Loco after this, and I can get great food, right? If I'm thirsty, there's such a thing as drink. If I want to look at something beautiful, if I just desire to, to get out of this ugly black room and, and go look at something beautiful, there are beautiful things to look at. If, if I have sexual desires, even, there's such a thing as sex, right? There, all of these desires have a corresponding object for those desires. And so, whenever we realize, whenever we lay our heads down at night and we, we see or we, or we feel that our lives just, we have everything we want, but at the same time, we're not fulfilled. We, we are not feeling complete then that must mean that there's something greater. If I can experience everything in the world and know that I still don't feel complete, then, then wouldn't it be logical to say that that innate desire has something to fill it? And that's what C.S. Lewis, um, well, he wasn't the only guy to argue this, but he was um, one of the major proponents for this argument. He was actually an atheist uh, for a long time. And eventually, one of this argument got him thinking. It wasn't what converted him, but this is what got him thinking. Like, why is it that I just feel empty? How come I can just consume, 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 and nothing? So, you know, maybe we'll find temporary relief in things like our jobs or relationships, friendships, uh, our family, we can find um, solace in food and in drink and, and sports and art and music and literature and all of these things. It could be anything. But none of it is going to fill you up. I mean, can we just do a show of hands? Anybody know that firsthand? That they just, that's not going to fill me up, Right? We have a, since revolution's inception, we've had a lot of, a lot of uh, people from, from recovery groups coming, right? And I can, I could, all of them that I've talked to, they will tell you that no matter how much they did that drug or no matter how much they got drunk or, or whatever it was that they were addicted to, that they were never complete, like it was never as good as even the first time, right? The first time you got high was probably the best time. I've heard that over and over from recovering addicts. Or, or, or maybe if you, you know, I've done this before, but you're a guy and you get in a new relationship, right? And she's awesome and she's beautiful and um, you're like, this is the one. She's so awesome and she's, 
I just made eye contact with Hannah, so. <laughs> you know, she's awesome, and she's beautiful, and, and she's everything I want. There's like, why would I want anything else? But a little while down the road, it seems like you'll see a prettier girl. You'll see somebody in the movies that you're like, oh, she's like the perfect woman. It might not even be looks. It might just be like, oh, she, she's really cool, so that would be better than what I'm in right now, right? No matter what, our hearts just always tend to go towards the grass as greener on the other side kind of thing. Or, or um, you know, Ryan and I were talking about this the other day. And, and Ryan likes to, if you can't tell, he likes guitars a lot. Um, he probably has, you know, a Chinese, that one he just fixed up right there. It's a very good-looking guitar. I think it's gorgeous. Um, but Ryan likes to fix up broken guitars um, and sell them or, or play them himself. Or he'll, he'll buy used guitars and then sell them for like three times the price because he's a businessman. Um, and he just builds up his, his guitar fund until he buys like the one, right? The one guitar that is going to just be the guitar of all guitars, right? Some PRS custom 1970 something. I don't know enough about guitars to even explain it. Humbucker, whatever. Right? I'm doing well? Good. Good. I listen. But Ryan told me himself, I get that new guitar, it's gorgeous, it sounds great, I'll play it all night, and when I go to bed that night, I realize I'm the same crappy guitar player that I was yesterday. Like, that guitar didn't make me a better guitar player. It doesn't make me feel any better. It just made me feel pretty awesome for a couple of hours. Ladies, maybe it will come in the form of Prince Charming, right? Prince Charming's not going to complete you. And even if you found him, after a while of him bringing you roses and leaving you cute little notes or whatnot, like, you're either going to get tired of it or he's going to mess up, Right? I'm sure we have ladies in here that are like married to guys who were way romantic when they were dating and, and now it's like, why don't you write me little notes anymore? You know? I, random story. Um, my pastor up in, in Chillicothe, he just retired, great guy, Pastor John Burris. He um, talked about how you know, they were just driving down the road one day, and they had their, their big Buick, right, the bench seat. And, and his wife, Jeannie, was sitting in the passenger seat, and she just goes, John, how come uh, we never sit close on the bench seat anymore? He said, Jeannie, like, I haven't moved. I've been driving the car. You're the one that slid down. All right? But eventually, right? Are we, are we back? Are we good? All right, eventually, that's going to wear out, right? The cuteness only goes so far. Or like I said, more often than not, he's just going to 
end up screwing up. Um, so, you know, Hannah can, she, she finds joy in our relationship, and she loves me a lot, and, and, and we have a great relationship, I hope. Um, but, you know, there are days when I fall far short, right? She's nodding her head yes right now if you're not looking at her. There are days that I fall far, far, far short because I'm not meant to be what completes her. I'm, I'm sure there are, are um, many of us who are more experienced who can say, you know, you'll always be disappointed. I'm just some, like, 24-year-old kid up here talking to you guys, and I'm sure some of you are saying, he doesn't know anything. He hasn't experienced life. He's not married. He doesn't know. But I talk and I listen to a lot of older, more experienced people, and they'll tell me the same thing. That you're always going to be disappointed. It's never going to be what you think it's going to be. You know, there are many, many celebrities even who have just everything. And they're, they've come out and said, I'm, I'm just disappointed. I, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not completed by this stuff. Um, I worked at Scioto Hills for two summers. It's a camp out near South Webster. And um, the, I, was, I was lucky enough to get to go and, and, and volunteer some this summer. And I was talking to the executive director, and his son has an awesome band called Churchill, if you've ever heard of them. They're like a folky rock band from Colorado, and they're really awesome, and you should look them up, especially if you're into that folky rock stuff. But they are getting really popular, and they got a chance to tour with Pink. You guys remember Pink? Has it been a while? Right? Um, They got a chance to tour with Pink all through Europe this summer. And they're all Christian guys, all the guys in Churchill, and uh, they've got a chance to talk to Pink some. And she will flat out admit that she's miserable. She's one of the top grossing performers out there. She has all the money she would ever be able to spend. She, she can have anything that she wants. She can have any significant other she wants. She she has everything. And she's utterly miserable. You can see it in her lyrics. You can see it in her videos. You can see it in her interviews. That's just one of many. A person that's sought fame and fortune and found nothing. You know, so we, we seek fulfillment in, in sex and in work and in possessions in our um, influence, in our money, and family, and, and friends, and relationships, and all this stuff. And, you know, it's always going to be the case that we find that none of these things are going to fill us. They're all going to let us down. Uh, philosopher Peter Kreeft wrote this. They keep trying, believing that if only... Next time, this is the stupidest gamble in the world. For it is the only one that is consistently never paid off. It is the game of predicting the end of the world. Every batter who has ever approached that plate has struck out. 
there's hardly a reason to hope the present ones will fare any better. After trillions of failures and a 100% failure rate, this is one experiment no one should keep trying. It's ridiculous. Look at pop culture. Look at uh, any other form of media, um, music, movies, literature. Look at human experience in general. They'll all tell you that it's just emptiness, that the world will not give you what you want. Uh, You know, maybe some of you are saying, Eric, you're ridiculous, you're crazy, and you're being really depressing right now, so I don't really need that. But if you think of anything on this earth that has never left you wanting more or has never left you utterly disappointed, then you are lying to yourself. You're not being honest. Every single thing in the world has let you down. And I know this is harsh. I know this is right down to the heart. And I know you can just shut off your ears right now and, and, and just glaze over it. But it's the truth. Like, these are the things we have to mull over. That there is an emptiness deep inside us that is just, you can't fill it with anything. So we have to really examine ourselves and we have to, we have to self-reflect You know, when your head hits a pillow, ask yourself, is this really it? Have you ever done that? You might say, you know what, Eric, I'm perfectly happy. You know, uh, I will just take my sports cars and and I'll I'll take my good job or I'll take my smoking hot wife or, or I'll take my Prince Charming. That's enough for me. I don't need... Anything else, like I'm perfectly satisfied in that. And I guess I wouldn't be able to say anything to you. The only thing I would ask you is, are you really? Is that really, like, what does it for you? You know, I can only appeal to you. I can't compel you to believe it or see it. I can point to like I said, universal consensus across all of human literature, other forms of media, pop culture, everything out there, that is, the world will not deliver. It won't do it. Um, even the, the atheist uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, I don't know how to pronounce it because it's French. I had to look up all these um, pronunciations, but... Um, famous atheist philosopher once said, there comes a time when one asks, even of Shakespeare, even of Beethoven, is that all that there is? So you can look at the most accomplished works of human existence and still wonder, like, it's really kind of disappointing. So similarly, you might say, well, I'm older, I, uh, I've learned not to get my hopes up, right? So uh, that's the mistake of young people. Young people get their hopes up, and they get all pumped about stuff, and they just get disappointed. Well, I learned that a long time ago. I'm not going to do that. But is that really the right approach? 
Is that what we should do? Should we just shut down and, and let our common sense take over and, and say, well, since I've been disappointed before, I'm just not going to even try anymore? What if there's infinite joy and peace out there and you find out too late because your common sense told you that uh, you shouldn't try? Why would you, why would you try? You're just going to get disappointed. So have you ever considered that the earthly pleasures we see around us, all the stuff I mentioned before, you know, uh, whether it be uh, uh, relationships or, or stuff or your job or, or sex or whatever, um, could it be that those pleasures weren't meant to satisfy? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, we all have that thing where we just consume, 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 and has there ever been a point where you just say, what if this isn't like the answer, you know? Like, what if this isn't what's supposed to fill me up? Um, what if it's supposed to point us in the right direction? So Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God, and the skies declare the works of his hands. Um, like we read Romans chapter 1. It says that we all have an innate knowledge of God. Through creation. We see creation, we experience creation, and that is like a little portion of what God's like. How awesome creation is, is just a shadow of how awesome he is. So when we take part of these, these desires, these, um, we're trying to fulfill these desires, we should be getting just, just a small glimpse of what God's like. You know, the emptiness left in everyday life lets us down and points us in the direction of a creator who made those things, right? Uh, I have a friend that just this past winter, um, her and I got together and, and talked and caught up a little bit, friend, childhood friend. And uh, everything's going great for her. You know, she has a great job. She lives in a big city, works for a really big name brand company, uh, is, is working her way up. And she doesn't believe anything. She just believes this is it. You know, this is our, these are our lives, and I'm perfectly okay with that. But after pursuing all of her dreams and starting to accomplish those dreams... She's just come to the conclusion that that's not enough. This isn't enough for me. So she started to get involved in like in various charities. You know, she trained and ran a marathon for for a charity. And it's it's not enough. Like it makes her feel good for a little bit, but then she's gotta keep doing it, and she's gotta keep doing it, and she's gotta keep doing it, and it just isn't enough. So, like Pastor Matt Chandler, I really like listening to him. He would say that she is making good things ultimate things. Right? She's making these things that are really noble causes. It's good to take care of the poor. It's good to raise money for cancer uh, research. It's, it's good to do these things. But whenever that's the thing you're going to find your fulfillment in, that's, that's just going to turn up empty. 
because guess what? They're going to spend your money and then they're just going to need more and more and more. And, and that's okay. But if, if you're finding your fulfillment in that, then, then that's just going to be void. It's just going to run out and you're going to have to do it again. You know, so my friend has been disappointed by the world. You know, her youthful, uh, the world is mine attitude has just been stripped away from her, from her experience, right? She's growing up and she's, she's working hard and, and she's just been ground down. And I'm sure many adults in here can, can bear witness to that. They can attest to that. You know, She's tired of running to the same things and, and not getting the results she wants. Um, I've heard some people say, I don't know if you just had random conversations with people and they just say things like, oh, you know, someday all the suffering will be over with. You know, well, grandma's not suffering anymore. She's, she's gone off to heaven. It's, it's going to be okay. So then we start putting our stock in, in heaven, right? And even in, like, secular society in America, we, we have this idea of heaven where, like, there's, it's all perfect and we're all angels and we fly around and play harps and stuff and everybody's happy and you get to see grandma again and all these things, which is an utterly ridiculous image of heaven, by the way. Um, but... None of these mention God at all. It's just, oh, you know, one day we're just going to be happy and we're going to be with everybody and there's no, not going to be any war or anything like that anymore. And I hear that even in, in Christian talk where we, we talk about heaven in such a way that is completely devoid of God. Francis Chan talks about how if you could go to heaven and live in a mansion and, and have gold streets and and see all your family and be around all your friends and there's no more sadness or, or, or anything like that, would that be enough for you if Jesus isn't there? So uh, another quote from C.S. Lewis. Though I do not believe, and I wish I did, that my desire for paradise proves that I shall enjoy it. I think a pretty good indication it is a pretty good indication that such a thing does exist and that some men will. You know, my own grandpa Hannah and I went to visit him here recently and uh I got a chance to talk to my grandma and him a little bit and and uh he's one of those guys that kind of thinks, well, you know, I'm a I'm a good man. I've never hit my wife. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I never have taken care of myself. I've raised a good family, worked hard, have a good retirement plan. What, what God would let me into heaven? But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture doesn't talk about just being a good dude and going to heaven. Scripture talks about 
our desperate situation where we are born into sinfulness, that our hearts are black and wicked, that it's not only that we do bad things or rebel against God in physical ways, but our heart is actually sinful. Our desires, our motives are completely wrong. And that's not the way it was supposed to be. That's not what God had in store for us whenever he created us. So we offered a way out, right? We rebelled, and, and now it's all ingrained in all of us. It's deeper than we can even imagine. Um, the nicest, most wonderful person in this room is still a horrible, wretched sinner. That's including myself. All right? So we, we are all on the same level. We are all jacked up. And, and we can... We, we, we know that from Scripture that we are in a totally helpless situation. And God offers a way out of that by sending his son to live this perfect life. Perfect. Not a single blemish on his record. And then he sacrifices himself to be the sacrifice of all sacrifices so that he can offer that righteousness to us. Like he takes his life and he gives it to us. Right? And the only stipulation is you have to have faith in me that I did this for you and I'm going to do what I promised to do. I will give you my righteousness if you just believe that I'm going to do it. Right? That my blood is sufficient for all the crap that you've done and, and are. That's the only stipulation. And so, he offers us completeness and right standing before God for nothing. Doesn't require anything of us. I I just want you guys to think about that. Whenever you go home and you, you lay your head on your pillow and you and you just feel that overwhelming darkness. I can say the same to, to Christians in the room, lifelong Christians, young Christians. Whenever you are unfulfilled by the things around you, whenever you just feel kind of blah about life, Christ made the ultimate sacrifice for you. And you need to be living in that every day. The gospel is what you're living in every single day. It's a totally different attitude, totally different outlook on life whenever you wake up every morning knowing that it's not for me, but it's for his glory, right? So I want you guys to think about that, and if you have any questions about that, you can ask any of us. Um, you can ask myself, Ryan, um, send a Facebook message to Matt, whatever. Um, but for right now, let's pray and let's worship, okay? So let's pray. God, thank you so much for revolution and how you've, you've had your hand on this ministry for several years now, God. I just, we pray that this, this building, this awesome space that we have now wouldn't be about how hard we've worked or, or, 
or, uh, or anything else, or, or how cool our setup is, or how loud our music plays. But God, I pray that it would be about how you have just poured grace over us. God, let it be all about you tonight. Let us worship with reckless abandon, in spirit and in truth, God. We pray this in Jesus' most precious, precious name. Amen.